Let me tell you how much I love the Red Rooster subscription service. I've been getting the saddle glove every month, the all black one, just because, you know, <laughs> it's your boy. And it goes with everything, right? I just had an epiphany. If I go into my user settings on redroostergolf.com, I can change which glove I get every month. So you know what I did? I switched over to the Boilermaker. It's white. It's got that gold. It's got that black. It's also extremely versatile. It can go with any fit that I throw it on. So I can switch one month. I get the saddle. Next month, maybe I get the Boilermaker. The next month, maybe I get the Comet. Let's switch it up. You have options. That's what I'm trying to tell y'all. And I'm happy about that. So if you're trying to mix your styles, you're trying to match your glove with your fit, you're trying to, you know, get something off, check us out at Red Rooster. And when you go to redroostergolf.com and use code GGT20, you can take 20% off your order. Tell them the shrink sent you. And also tell them Connor said cockle doodle do. There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health. You know, I was trying to get a really premium webcam here for this just in time. I ordered the dumb cables and all that. It just wasn't working. So it just wasn't happening today. This is fine. My life mantra right now is just like, send it. There's no progress with without with perfection. So we're just going <laughs> to roll. I love that. <laughs> that that's that's an extremely good headspace to be in. You know, there's the uh, analysis paralysis and you know so yeah sometimes you just got to do and and good things will, will follow indeed it's my biggest struggle in entrepreneurship six months in entrepreneurship creative perfectionism mm. trying to work on it and so here we're in therapy it's gonna it's gonna be great we can process all this together right right <laughs> yes. um well i guess diving right in where, where else does that show up in your life creative perfectionism yeah oh my gosh um we i think you know we connected through instagram and instagram is a place that it shows up like instagram has been one of the most incredible networking tools uh exposure to all kinds of amazing cool things like the golf movement that we're kind of in and that i was seeking years ago like has been stewarded by this incredible undercurrent of like niche niches in the internet you know mm -hmm. and uh that is so beautiful and yet it's like um having to let go of you know now it's all video it used to be photo and yeah i would like tweak on photos but it's funny i, I was like batch editing photos this morning for the first time in i don't know years i um did some photography for someone uh this morning on a side project and you know, that used to be what it was. You could like, you know, and if you had like your Visco on your mm -hmm. mobile, you could just, you know, like tap a filter, boost some contrast, boost some clarity and send it, you know, and now it's video, right? So, mm -hmm. and you got to have captions on your video and I want caption. Like I've created a whole brand identity for my company and for my new thing. And so I want my brand colors. I want my caption i want my font on my captions mm -hmm. i want it to be everybody w would rather have an iphone you know like tiktok and the whole way but i want an hd beautiful camera mm -hmm. because i'm a bougie image snob you know i just i just think it looks better you know 
And can most people tell? No, but I can. And it drives right. me crazy. I, li- I like the, the, the more premium feel. So Yeah, we got to invest in some of that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, Connor, I was telling them early, like I started to try, I bought the cable and everything. I was going to try to give you guys like a premium recording experience here and I can't get it working. So uh, that's okay. You're, you're, you're going to fit right. This is, this is our Indeed. curated image. So oh, you're, good. you're right. yeah. fitting into our system, which is great. That's good, very, good. It's, it's very okay, considered. Yeah. <laughs> Lo-fi yeah. is our low yeah. language. Lo- lo-fi is oh, our good. low language. <laughs> Parking lot Wi-Fi Parking and lo-fi lot, images. Yeah. yeah, that's ours. So like at Nike, I did all this work, you know, to do the like work-life balance thing you know, done is better than perfect and yada, yada, yada. And you can do that when you have this massive machine. But then when I left Nike's five and a half months ago, I am now mm-hmm. the brand. Like I am the product and like my own company is the product. And so I, I feel much more invested in, in that at, at times. And so that creative perfectionism monster just comes up and gets me. Was there anyone in your life that, kind of pushed you to just like yo post it anyway mm. you know do it there's a lot of people yeah yeah there's a lot of people who are doing that now uh i was at a like small retreat last week in colorado with a bunch of entrepreneurs and um they're all you know we're all trying to do that i channel like Virgil Abloh is a huge inspiration for me. And like Virgil has this talk, you know, and I just quoted it, but I've been process. I keep thinking, I think it was when he was talking to Harvard business school and he said, there's no progress with perfection. And so it's like only in like kind of just messing it up, like kind of just pushing the ball forward some. And so that's what I'm like doing. I'm working on this collection, this just basketball collaboration. It's like such a dream come true. I have in two weeks in New York, it's going to be amazing. And, you know, I start with a vision mm. of what I want it to be. And then, you know, we all have to work like we all kind of have to iterate to what it actually can be. And so I get stuck in like, well, it's not what I originally imagined. So it's not good. And that's not that's yeah. not true. You know, that's not true. Yeah. I would say when, when thinking about capturing an idea, it's like I'm just daydreaming and the work is just trying to catch up to what that daydream is. Because you can, you have some, you have a vision in your head, especially if you're a creative person, if you're a creative director, you have a vision in your head and it's really, really hard to get that a hundred percent or even more obviously refined than what it is in your head. You're just trying to catch up to what that looks like in your brain and anything, anything like above 50% of that is a fucking (laughs) win. Doing it at all is a fucking win. Right. We just had this experience. We we produced our first shoot end to end this entire last week. We just got home last night and Rams Hill at Rams Hill. And, you know, there's a lot of I got to play. It's incredible. You got to get out there. Yeah. But we had this experience where, you know, the three of us have been very fortunate enough to participate in many shoots before, but all on other people's productions. Like we just show up. Mm. We stand in front of the camera we add some creative production insight and or direction but we let the other people do the work coordinate the shoot you know pay the Mm. pay the shooter pay the editor uh upload the thing to their platform and whatever and this is the first time that we've had to do all of that end to end fucking terrifying really 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 scary yes totally But, but doing it at all yeah 
feels like such a win. Totally. So you have to give yourself some credit. Totally. I'm literally just every day, like I stopped at a meditation at like three o'clock in the afternoon yesterday because it was just like get in this like, you know, it's a lot to do. I mean, y'all at least have a little bit of a team. I love that. I do miss that. That's one thing I feel like I miss is like the collaboration and teamwork and stuff. And so I'm getting to do that with like designers here, or friends there, but, and I'll just, I just have to stop. And I'm like, cause I'm doing stuff like this, this collection is, has this whole backstory and like trying to uh, tell a story about second chances for people coming out of incarceration. It's tapping into my story. So I'm just like, yo, God, you've given me like such a, a God-given, like, deep desire to try to tell these good and right stories, like, mm. to try to serve other people. And me getting caught up in, like, creative perfectionism or whatever is totally distracting yeah. from, like, the mission. And so you're right. Doing it at all is such a gift and such a cool thing. So, um, yes, we have to just mm. remind ourselves of that. How'd your shoot go, though? Oh, Amazing. It went, the, it it went too fast. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. It was yeah. <laughs> can can you share who 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 you're shooting we for? Will. Uh, <laughs> we will. We um, will. Cool. I uh, mean, fair enough. At the fair end enough. of the day, we were Say shooting. No we were shooting for us. Right. Like that, and that's that's the reminder. I think that we have to keep giving ourselves is like, yes, there are partners involved. Yes, there's there's money involved, but like this is for us. This this. Yeah. This is the culmination of hours and hours and hours, not quite 10,000, but damn near hours of hard work and emotional work. Um, so, yeah, that, that it's 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 for us. Amazing. It's such a small world because uh, I played I met Darren through Twitter. I've, I've actually been reminiscing on all my Twitter memories <laughs> uh, <laughs> in light of this week's event. <laughs> but uh, it's funny because I, I know I feel like I. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I got my Nike job through Twitter. I got like, I did all kinds of crazy things through Twitter and the internet. But like, I think I met Darren through Twitter and we kept up. And then I went to LA one time and we played, um, I don't know if it's still called Trump National, but this is like mm -hmm. before, you know, presidency and all that. But it was a just absolutely magical day. Some of the best images I've ever taken on a golf course the sunset overlooking the pacific ocean so that was very yeah. cool what's the golf like in, in in dallas do you like it down there things i love about golf in dallas are year-round golf um Fair. you know yeah so that when i moved to portland and it was like this seasonal thing that was very that was a big adjustment for yeah, me it's tough um i mean i had a couple double whammies like i had a child so mm. definitely golf you you peel back on the golf uh and then like Portland, you know, it was like poor after November or something, you basically don't play, you know? Right. Um, I will say there's like, there's a cool vibe though. Like in October when you're getting out there and you get a nice date, like you, you feel like yes. you're feeling, you you're feel getting like away you with something. like, yes, hundred percent. Yes. It's like, and it, it, it has this sense of like, you have more appreciation for the rounds that you do get. Yeah. Um, but you know, Dallas golf, I, I'm, I just, Oregon golf to me is like just, mecca just so beautiful i mean outside of the fact that you can only play six months out of the year it's just so bannon dunes is just a spiritual experience mm -hmm. for me and that was the single hardest thing about moving out of oregon was moving away from bannon dunes mm -hmm. uh so um so i kind of miss these days you know i got two kids i don't 
you know, I play maybe once every two weeks, once a month. Uh, I, I put a putting green in my backyard, so I just chip out back Outstanding. different times, you know, so that's fun. Um, but uh, so golf, golf is okay here. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of courses everywhere. Um, you know, it's not particularly memorable, I would say, like after you play places like in LA or in, you know, Oregon or in Wisconsin, you know, Texas is kind of flat deadpan, but it's a fun, it's its own little, you know, um, it's got its own little challenges. Can you illustrate or, or talk about how golf fits into your life? and a core golf memory for you Core golf memory first of all i just keep seeing my nails uh i'm a girl dad i have a four-year-old daughter and she wanted to paint my nails it's a good color a couple days ago what color i can't really see uh we got we've got like sparkly pink meets a uh, little sparkly chrome <laughs> maybe uh an iridescent oh hell yeah so she went for I the alternate it. alternate nails so yeah thank you <laughs> yeah. thank you yeah i am i am too um it is just a little distracting every time I, <laughs> every time I wave my hands up. So my grandfather was a Southern Baptist preacher in Vicksburg, Mississippi, and he loved Jesus and golf. And like just the essentials. The, in that order. The, essentials, yeah. the bare essentials, right? <laughs> and so when he wasn't preaching or evangelizing, he was like playing the game, watching golf. He was like he was a little bit, um, you know, these days when I'll see like a picture in picture, I, I just, I just wish he were here for that because he would have like his color television set and then like his old <laughs> black and white television set and then like a radio next to him, like wow. listening to, you know, a bowl, a bowl game. Like he actually passed away watching sort of three football games and, and, uh, and so, um, on, on the couch, you know, had a heart attack, but like was listening to one, watching another, watching another. So like, um, he, he loves sports and, and golf. And so I think originally I would go, he just taught me the game and I would go to drive the golf cart, um, at this course in Mississippi. He got like an honorary membership to the Vicksburg country club, you know, Vicksburg, Mississippi, yeah, yeah. not exactly like super fancy, but it was, it was great. And, um, an honorary membership so that, that I, hits anywhere. Right. I, I would take an honorary membership to the library. Like, give me an honorary, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Already. That's right. So, man, that was it. Like, you know, just practicing out there. And, like, he lived on this. They had, like, uh, it, it seemed like a huge, like, maybe, like, an acre that they were on. And so we would go bang balls out in the backyard, too. And so that was just fun. Um and then as I got older into like adolescence, I, I, I just kind of tell people like I was obsessed with golf uh, or sorry, obsessed with all sports. I love Bo Jackson the most because Bo was like Bo knew, you know, the Nike ad. I grew up in the heyday of Nikes, you know, um, bad as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Exactly. He was Bo him. knew yeah, he was him. He was him before there was a him. Right. he was. Yeah. <laughs> Bo knew basketball, Bo knew football, Bo knew baseball, Bo knew basketball, Bo knew golf, Bo knew everything, you know? So I just like, I was sort of the jack of all trades, but I tried to go to basketball and golf was like, not as exciting. I sort of look back now, like I kind of wish like today, I do think golf could be a cool, cool route. You know, I was very concerned with being cool. Like probably most of us are in adolescence. I do think there's a way to go to golf and like, it can be cool these days, maybe. 
but like back then you could not be cool and like play golf like you know there was no yeah we are getting there um and so i tried basketball didn't make it and then sort of fell out and i there was this like vacuum of like sports that that needed to be filled that was no longer there and that's when i started like trying drugs and partying and drinking and you know, chasing girls and all that stuff. And that became kind of the thing I threw myself all into. And so, you know, got introduced to heroin pretty early, like 15. And then that took me down this whole path of like addiction for the next several years. Um, and then later in recovery, I picked golf back up. I had gone to all these extreme sports like mountain climbing, uh, weightlifting, uh, wakeboarding. And I was like, I needed a sport I needed to get back into a sport that was not going to give me whiplash, wake up with whiplash every day or like leave in an, in an ambulance, you know? And I was like, all right, I'm going to do the golf thing. It's so hard to get back into it, you know, after a while, cause you just suck for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had like a few other buddies who were all in recovery with me and we all kind of went back in and, and like true, like dope fiends, we all went in like a million percent. <laughs> and so it sort of took the edge off of like, you know, we only do things a million miles an hour yeah. or not at all. Yeah. And so full we tilt. all kind of obsessively got back into it. Yeah, full tilt. Um, and that's been over the probably like last 13 years, maybe 15. And I just haven't really looked back. Like it's been it's been the staple. It's been the thing that I obsess. Uh, I have a much healthier relationship with it in the last like six years. Mm. Um, and so today to just wrap up the answer to your question, what is, you know, that was how I was introduced to it. That's how I got back into it. And then today, um, my golf goes as my gratitude goes. And I find that when I'm just like really appreciative to be out there, which now is most of the time, if I'm able to sneak out, I'm not practicing, I'm not warming up. <laughs> like I tuck and roll onto the tee box, you know, from the parking yeah, lot. Air, air drop in. <laughs> yeah. and I'm, often, I'm often like, uh, you know, tech. Text Brett, hey bro, can I just Venmo you? Will you check me exactly. in? You know, like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, and then I tuck and roll onto the onto the tee box, yeah. and I have a really good time. You know what? I and so I would I would rather, yeah. and maybe maybe some golf course uh, GM who's listening to this show might start this at their golf club. Charge me at the end of the round, because like. Uh, the check-in process, like, you know, when I, when you go to a restaurant, like, you you eat your meal, you pay at the end. Like, I'm good for it. Yep. I'm going to pay for the round. I just <laughs> don't want to have to deal with all the malarkey at what the front. What a great point. point. Just, just let mm. me go play. Yes. And then when I'm done, I'll think. Because, like, I hate walking out to the first tee think, thinking, like, I just dropped, like, $87 on this round. Yeah. Mm. I dropped, I, you know, I bought, like, 17 boxes of balls. <laughs> and, you know, yep. like, that's just not a fun feeling. Well, I think they would probably, you know, what's worse though, is when you pay $87 and then you triple bogey the first yeah. and then you double the yeah. second yeah. and you're like, bro, I just, back in my old days, like when I was keeping score rigorously, it was like, I just paid $87 to freaking suck, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. so uh, what a, yeah. what a mm-hmm. sucker yeah. I am, you know? <laughs> so you might get people who would like storm off or something True. like that. But yeah. I was talking, have you guys heard of the loop golf? Like this, this app yeah. that's like handles all your betting mm. these yeah. guys. Yeah. So I met, I met with them earlier this week and I said the exact same thing to them, Connor. I was like payment, you know, they were telling me where they're trying to head. And I was like, can I just, I'm like, this is unsolicited, but will you please solve the check-in process? Mm. Like, could mm. we just, you know, like book it, 
can I just can I just tap a button to like check in yep. and just go good to go? Because that whole check in process just <laughs> can I is can I scan a QR code or gotta, something? Yeah. <laughs> right, totally, bro. Like um, seriously, um, I yeah. I, have, I have a question for you, but first, I I really liked hearing you say that your first experience with golf was driving the cart while your grandfather was playing, and I think that's something a lot of kids can relate to is the thrill talk about feeling like you're stealing something the the thrill that like kids have of driving a golf cart because it's like the first experience you have with driving something when you don't have your Mm -hmm. license yet like i used to love that Mm -hmm. like that feeling of being like i can whip this golf cart around and like i don't there's no there's no punishment for this and then fast forward to now, it's like the last thing I want to do is drive a golf cart. I just want to fucking walk. Thousand percent. Same. You mentioned your experience with addiction. Mm-hmm. What you mentioned doing trying heroin for the first time at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What did that give you? What did heroin do for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I was talking to these middle schoolers the other day, and uh, I have this poster here from Liz B. Croft, who did this Feel the Feels sneaker uh, collaboration a while back. And, you know, the summary I feel like I get, I think most people want me to, a lot of times people want me to talk to kids and tell them, like, just say no. I don't think that's very helpful. Um, what I actually think is, like, in order to heal it, you have to feel it. And I think like, I was just, I, I don't have like, uh, there's something like 87 to 92% of people who are in active addiction, who are struggle, like serious addiction have dealt with some form of childhood trauma, have multiple forms of it really like, uh, or adverse childhood experiences as they call them. Um, and they, they have like at least three out of five usually. Um, and that could be a divorce, abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, all kinds of things. I don't have most of those things to, to my knowledge. Um, what I am is a deep, deep feeler. Mm. And, uh, I did, I could not have articulated this to you at that time. I don't think, but like, and so I think just the collision of adolescence and all the crap that goes with that, you know, trying to figure out who you are, uncomfortable feeling like, you know, girlfriends, breakups, all that kind of stuff. Um, death in the fam, like my grandfather did die like at, at 14 and, I just think all of that colliding at once come, falling out of basketball and like sports and not having that positive outlet. What it did for me was made me feel okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this deep, warm, some people describe it as like being in the womb again. Yeah. You know, some people describe it as like a warm sleeping bag, tingly, just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, and so in a time when you're bombarded with all these feelings of discomfort and pressure and am I enough? Like, do I fit in? Am I cool? Am I not cool? Am I, does she like me? Does she not like me? What, you know, what do they think of me if she doesn't like, you know, all this kind of stuff. I think it just calmed that down Mm. and just like created a false sense of peace that I desperately needed at the time. Mm. And then you get in this tough loop when you're 14 and you're trying to figure out how to work through emotion you were trying to figure out how to work through thoughts and discomfort and relationships then now you have this real false sort of synthetic version of that and that becomes the go-to and you get really stunted Mm -hmm. you know so that continued all the way through you know 21 when i got locked up and um you know eventually got into recovery wow thank you yeah first of all thank you for sharing that yeah oh my gosh yeah um 
Totally. Yeah. It's my mission in life. Just try to share it with as many people as possible. So hopefully it can be helpful. Yeah. And it absolutely, absolutely will be to someone. And has um, been, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, yeah, it's, I've been super fortunate, man. I mean, what I do today is like my main part of my business is in NIL. I go teach college athletes how to, you know, what is a personal brand? What does that mean? How can you use your platform to serve others and all that stuff? And a lot of times I'm doing group group therapy with, with <laughs> them. Like they don't know it, but it's, it's almost like marketing class meets group therapy. Yeah. And then we like come together and I'm trying to help them articulate my story. But, but really it's because I saw what happened five years into my Nike career is when I told my story publicly for this first time. Um, and so I had been doing it in recovery and my wife and I do that on a daily basis with people in our homes and we mentor and sponsor and all that. But I finally did it publicly and then people, it's crazy the effect that it has on people. And even just a couple of days ago, like I have these moments and I'm like, okay, I'm just trying stuff with content right now. And I, the first place I ever scored heroin was, is right next to the gym that I work out at today. And so there's literally like these two signs are right next to each other. It's like this car wash where I scored heroin for the first time. And there's this sign for the gym. That's like the house of health. Mm. And uh, it's called movement, the house of health. And I walk out of there, I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling content. I'm feeling peaceful. And I'm always look at that. And it's like this juxtaposition. So I did a little, you know, reel on that. And, um, you know, sure enough, this woman just DMs me, you know, and it's like, you have no idea what that meant to me. Mm. I lost my brother from addiction last year, a guy I'm dating. I just found out relapsed on heroin and your, that hope just gave me such an injection of hope that I desperately needed. So thank you. And wow. it's like, man, yeah. wow, dude. Like, yeah, it's amazing. Man. What is it? AA, you know, famously promotes its 12 step program. Uh, it's, it's path to recovery. And I think NA mm-hmm. has a similar 12 step program, but there's a, there's a secret 13th hidden step, which is you got to hit rock bottom before you start. Yeah. Or step zero. Do you have a, a, a time that you can point to and say, this was when my recovery started? Yes. I do want to give a disclaimer. I think that that bottom is very subjective for different people. And I don't, th- I do think there's been some harmful rhetoric and like you have to hit bottom before you can get into recovery. And I don't think that's necessarily always the case. Although I believe that for a long time, I do think, uh, yeah, you know, so just giving that disclaimer really quick, but mine was, I mean, I had, I had this experience basically shooting dope in a pink motel room for a while by myself. My other heroin addict friends didn't want to hang out with me because they thought I was going to die. Um, and, and, and then I, I basically got, uh, I, I had been on probation for a, a small possession charge and I kept violating, you know, I couldn't stay clean. And so I got locked up and I got offered to go to a, a free world treatment center. It's, well, sort of, I, it was like, if I ran away, I would be arrested. And, you know, but like, like it was mostly like you could wear free world clothes. It was co-ed. Like it was, it was in hindsight, it was amazing. Mm. Um, but I didn't see it as such at the time. And so I was just like kind of acting a fool. Like, you know, I, you know, there's a crazy process once it happens when you've been on drugs for a long time and then you get clean, like you don't just sort of wake up and become normal. You know, you, you got a lot of stuff to work through. And so, um, after like four to six weeks, they kicked me out. And so they were like, Hey, um, you know, we think it's time for you to early discharge. And I was like, Oh, thank you. I think you see 
think you see what I see that I don't really need to be here. Oh, wow. You thought you, you thought you graduated <laughs> you know, like, and they were like, no. Yeah, bro. I thought they were like, you know what? Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and so they're like, the, the sheriff is waiting for you in the lobby. And I was like, Oof. Oh, or actually it was just kind of like the sheriff is here. And they like walked in with his handcuffs. And it was like this, like, Ooh, mm. like I've been given a decent probation. sentence. it was long, but like, generally speaking in the criminal justice system was a pretty decent shake um and then i got this opportunity to go i kept violating that and then i got uh, i'd done my po had let me do like methadone program all of this kind of stuff and then now this was basically like my um third strike and um they give me this opportunity so then this dude arrests me and 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 there's a there's a there's a sense that people have i think in when you're dealing with addiction that it's most of us believe that it's the drugs or the alcohol's fault, right? So anytime you get in trouble, yeah. it's like, oh, I was drunk, I did that thing. Or, oh, I did drugs, and so it was like, I did that thing. Well, now I was like six weeks stone cold sober, and I got arrested. And so I got taken to this, uh, to Williamson County Jail in a purple jail cell, and I'm sitting there in the middle of the night at this point, waiting in the drunk tank, um, is what they call it, like big, you know, general population's tank and uh two guys were arguing arguing over a toilet paper roll and one of them wanted it for its intended purpose and the other one was using it for a pillow wow. and laying on the concrete floor that we were all on and i was just like this is so this is to answer your question like this was my rock bottom moment mm. i had been in much worse places mm. but i was just like stone cold sober six weeks and I'm sitting in a jail cell on a concrete floor with two gentlemen arguing over a toilet paper roll. And I was just like, yo, God, this is not like, I absolutely deserve to be here for my behavior, but I don't feel like I belong here. Mm. And I need help. Mm. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get that. And at this point, I'm facing like five to 20 years in prison. Wow. Because I violated, they gave me a decent like probation, but there was a stipulation like if you screw this up, you're you're gonna you're out of there. go away for a long time. And you're 21 yeah. at this point. Yeah, 21. Wow. And um, so so fortunately, man, I had this probation officer that was like, "I'm gonna give you one last chance. I'm gonna give you now. You you screwed up." An outside free world treatment center, you screwed up a court order treatment center. Now I'm going to send you to a substance abuse felony punishment facility, which is a prison rehab program. Mm-hmm. So you get to get some treatment during the day, and but you're in prison. And uh, so I had to wait, you know, almost six months to get into that in a county jail. And then that was a six month program. And I did that. And then I exited into a halfway house, which was Salvation Army, and then eventually started to put my life back together. Wow. But that that uh that 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 jail cell was my rock bottom moment. Yeah. Man. Thank you for sharing that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, but I'll tell you this. Look, I'll tell you this. I'm sitting in Colorado last week. I did a polar plunge like with all these guys, <laughs> amazing entrepreneurs, like all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, man, like I have these moments all the time. I was like, yo, God, like, please, my life has been way too exciting to this point. Like it's been too you know too much excitement like you know getting in trouble and running from the law running from the cops and all this kind of stuff like i'm just ready for a bull dull boring life 
Yeah. And if all I if all the most fun I get to have is like going bowling with old AA drunks like who are drinking coffee and smoking cigs, like if that's the most fun I get to have, give it to yeah. me. I'm ready. Mm. Bring it. Bring it. That's all Put I the want. Bumpers up. And my life is totally yeah my life but it is so much more incredible way more incredible than i ever could have possibly imagined you mentioned the pink motel room purple jail cell yeah. mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i wonder well first i wonder why those colors stood out to you so so vividly and are yeah. are you does any anything come back from that time when you when you see those colors now are those are those colors significant to you or your brand Bro, I don't you you might be you might be messing with me, but like it's a good observation in my story. In the last couple of few years, I've started to really embrace them more. Um we got a little uh mid-century house here. I'm a sucker for mid-century architecture and the whole brief of basically my my interior and the my landscaping, which I do is all around Palm Springs. Mm. Like that whole like just pink, purple, bright, turquoise, oh, yeah. you know. And so I think like living in um, Portland where it was just like gray and dark and I love all the greenery. Like I love plants and I love greenery. I just need like bright. I need sun. I need light. I need, yes, I need vibrance. I need, uh, I love plant life. And I think like this is y'all are therapeutic. So you get this, but like, I think I've been around so much death, like over the last several years, like the opioid crisis. While I mm. got clean, a lot of my friends didn't. I've been to a lot of funerals. We we are knee deep and working with people who are at the lowest points of their life, and it's hard. You know, it's hard and it's dark. And so I just think I I love that vibrance, and I need that like color in my life yeah. because I think I'm prone to go to that like darker phase. And then I just love the juxtaposition. So like this, this is a collaboration. This is the basketball that I'm doing with this, this company, local hoops. Oh, wow. And, um, it's like, it's that ancient Greek vibe that I love and that I studied like in ancient history, but it's got the pink, like as this, mm. as this like pop, you know? Yeah. And so, um, that's a really interesting observation, Brad, for I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that in the, in my past, but it's coming up these days. Yeah. Mm. That's beautiful. I think, um, we talk a lot about the walk with the younger self, you know, what, what that can give you. And I specifically on this show in a golf context, but I think revisiting core memories like that in adulthood can be extremely therapeutic. Like something, something that reminds you of a time that you absolutely were, were miserable or a time you hated can be very healing in adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. I've done, done it. You know, I did this, when I told my story publicly, it was with this organization called I Am Second, and uh, they they shot my story. Basically, you sit in a white chair and you tell your story, and they did like ten minute ten minute thing, and it you know was public. And uh, that guy, like the guy who directed it, um, you know, kind of was like, "I want you to like close your eye. Will you take me? That, you know, as to what degree you're comfortable? Mm-hmm. Like, will you take me to that pink motel room?" Like, what does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it feel like? And it was really interesting. Like, I don't think I've ever really, I I don't shy away from my story, but I do think given the crazy nature of it, I talk about it so much that it's kind of like rolls off the tongue and might be a little flippant. And like when I was in that chair and we were doing that and I was like going there, I came home, I'm a night owl. And especially prior to kids, I'm like, 
I'm still prone to stay up very, very late at night. Um, I was like ready to go to sleep at seven o'clock that night. I was exhausted. Mm. And it, but I do think to your point, there's some like healing that, that goes through that to, if you like have to feel it to heal it. Yeah, you know, so. absolutely. I, I love yeah. that you, that was one of the first things you said on the show, you know, you, yeah. you gotta mm. feel it. You're, yeah. you're very feely human. Are you a, are you mm-hmm. a Virgo by any chance? I'm a Scorpio. Same. Happy belated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's so there's definitely that like, you know, passion intensity that comes up, you know, feeler that's there, which was a challenge in the early stages of my golf career, <laughs> you know, like doing uber competitive with myself and just like not very gracious with myself and mm. just making it so intense and competitive. And, uh, it was not very healthy. I feel like I wasted several years of my golf career to be honest. Mm career you know golf hobby (laughs) Um, i I don't know that that's a uh, a waste though i would challenge that i think that's it's part of the sauce i think learning that growth within your participation in the game lumps and all warts and all i think is is good yeah you're right like i think that that's what drove me to practice like what drove me to get good you know good is all relative in golf you know i've shot a couple of three overs some four overs, you know, like, um, I wanted to shoot par before my kids were born, but you know, it didn't happen, but like, and so these days, like I can go and play decent, you know? And like, um, I don't know if I had had the attitude I have today, I don't think I would have gotten, you know, good relatively speaking because I wouldn't have that fire to like, you know, go and like break 80 and, or break 90 and then break 80 and do it, you know, all that, all those milestones we try to hit you know in the game y'all this roan commuter shirt is like that i'm trying to tell people i really am i'm posting about it i'm telling people about it and you know one thing i look at when i'm trying new shirts i don't own an iron right i steam most of my clothes but i didn't have to worry about that because the roan has wrinkle release technology in the shirt the wrinkles disappear as you stretch it's like a, you know, what's that joke? It's like, what gets wetter as it dries? A, a towel. towel. What wrinkles disappear as you wear it? It's the Roan commuter shirt. Riddle me that. And right now, Connor, Drew, you go on Roan.com slash GGT. You can get that same shirt. And now something for our listeners. If you're trying to get down with this Roan commuter shirt, all you have to do is go to Roan.com. That is R-H-O-N-E.com and use code GGT to save 20% on your order courtesy of the shrinks that's a fun challenge trying to break par before your first kid <laughs> i invite i invite y'all to do it because uh, i haven't i don't i don't know if you've already done it but but i i didn't we, we've got several golf goals Drew, I, actually yeah. that's a really well, good Drew, question for you Drew, Drew's, Drew's got some kids yeah. so yeah he's our resident do, dad yeah we're yeah. tapping into the parent corner um i had broken par um i guess it was before i i had i had kids but uh but yeah, Brad, Bradford and Connor. That's it's on you guys now. If, to, yeah, to be attained. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drew, Drew and yeah. I pass the torch to you. Two. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's, yes, no, there's no hope for less. <laughs> there's no hope left for us. Please. You, you, please do. <laughs> I, to, to take Bradford's earlier 
point and question one step further. If if you had the opportunity to play a round of golf with a younger version of yourself, 15-year-old Jordan, say, what would the conversation look like? Not necessarily advice, but just what would you talk to him about? Gosh, man. I feel like... Uh... I feel like I heard you ask someone this question. I can't remember. Maybe it was Macklemore or someone, mm. but, um, oh God, it's like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm getting a little bit of a version with that. I have a son who's, mm. you know, tall and skinny like me and he's, he's, in, he's interested in golf. He likes it. I'm definitely not trying to like push it, but you know, the happiest moments I've had, like there's a little family course out here. It's like a six hole around a pond mm-hmm. love it so we'll go like walk walk barefoot like to me barefoot golf plus with a little carry bag like a Seamus just carry you know nine hole carry <laughs> bag took a couple of his clubs like dude there's nothing better in in this world than doing something like that and so i feel like i'm getting to have a little bit of those experiences uh if i were walking with my 15 year old self I think about this a lot. You know, I spoke to middle schoolers last week and I do think I, you know, I often try to say that like you have to heal it or, you know, feel it to heal it. Mm. I didn't, but like I couldn't have articulated that I needed healing at that moment. Yeah. yeah. You know, I would have just, I was so unaware that I was just like, oh, I don't, what are you talking about, bro? I don't need to heal. Like get a, get away from me with that. But like, I think I probably would have encouraged myself. And I think there's a, there's more hope for this younger generation a little bit now where, their top goal that they want to be is like a YouTuber, you know, or something. <laughs> if you've seen those stats and Nike, yeah. we were always panicked about this because for years, like when, when I grew up and for probably when y'all grew up, the only cool factor was like to be a pro athlete. Yeah. Like that was basically it. Like you could be maybe a rapper or like something, you know, like that was cool, but pro athlete was the mm-hmm. pinnacle. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was it. And so anything less than that, you were just like a loser, you know, especially, I think it was like really heightened. And I remember um, someone was doing consumer insights research on this, like maybe 10 years ago. And they were talking about this phenomenon about, especially on the coast, like being a creative, it's no longer enough to be an athlete. You need to be creative too. Mm. Or like creativity actually is getting an edge on athlete. Yeah. And she's like, probably the only place that this wouldn't work is like Dallas, Texas. It's still, you need to be the quarterback there to like be cool. And I'm like, well, great. Um, so but 10 years later, I do think like being creative. And so probably what I would have encouraged myself like at the time is like, man, did you know that like your passion, your, did you know that the only strengths in the world are not just if you have a jump shot <laughs> or if you can fight or if you can beat people up or like how strong you are? Mm-hmm. Like those were the barometers and I failed at all of those. Like mm-hmm. I was not yeah. the strongest. I did not want to fight. Like I didn't, I, I, I think, you know, this is an inherent like boy thing where you want to battle and stuff like that. I get that. Like, yeah. you know, my son, I, you see it now you, you do want contact, but like, I just didn't, I, I was just, I'm a peace, I'm a peacemaker, bro. Like I don't want to <laughs> box over everything, yeah. you know, like me, me and Bradford had that exact conversation yeah. yesterday in the car. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. <laughs> did you? We did. Say more. We, I, I, I think I asked Bradford if he was a, scrapper when he was growing up and i was and, <laughs> and yeah but then you were like yeah but then i got to a certain point and i was like i just want i just want everybody to be okay yeah <laughs> like, I, I just want, want everybody to have a good time i just want everybody to have a good time yeah. i'm not trying to fight you what the fuck are we going to accomplish totally. that was, my yeah. love language is physical touch but not that 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not physical. <laughs> I, want, I want to put a yeah. hug on you. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, it's funny because, and I just remember, I think there were just so many of those moments that I felt like, well, God, I'm not, uh, everybody around me seems to love this, you know, and I just don't like, and so what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think I would just like try to encourage myself like, bro. And that has been the case for the last 20 years of my life, dude. Like, look, at my life is incredible. And I don't know what the coolest point guard was doing. I went to my class reunion a couple of years ago, you know, but it's, I don't know. <laughs> it might not be as cool as what I'm getting to do in life these days, sure. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just feel like those, I, I really lost my way in school. And when I was 15, because I just was unaware. I was playing someone else's game. I try to tell college athletes this a lot. You know, they know inherently when you try to play someone else's game, you end up losing. And so one of my wisdom, you know, pieces for them is like, play your game. And you have to play the game. There are the the, the rules and the, the game. But like, if you play your game and lean into your strengths, like you can often do much better. And so I would encourage my 15 year old self to play my game and to know that there are other strengths and qualities and assets that I could lean into that are not the measuring stick of what everybody else is doing through athletic achievement or whatever. And those are my superpowers later in life. Yeah. And you still get the chance to be competitive, like competitiveness never leaves. It takes on different forms. Like I, I yes. look in the mirror and that's who I'm competing against. How can <laughs> I be better today? How can I love my partner better today? How can I be a better dog dad? How can I be a better friend to Drew and Connor today? Um, how can I be a better son? Yeah. You know, those are, those are things you can challenge yourself on every day and still like get a, get a little bit of a, a hit from that, you know, so to speak. Totally. I actually think, I think I get creative, competitive too. Yeah. And I have to, that, that can be usually healthy. Um, and I love like creativity thrives in constraint sometimes, Definitely. not too much constraint, Definitely. but, but when you put some parameters around it and you have to get creative, like, I love that. Like I get really competitive, like, and I think that's what would help me thrive at Nike. Um, and so now I'm just applying it to my own business and, and in my own life. I love that, man. Yeah proud of you for making that shift thank you that's hard that's a big one it's really hard super hard super hard especially when you super hard cite the statistics that everyone cites when you're talking about addiction and you're talking about recovery um yep you're a, a percent of a percent totally right. yeah i mean yep <laughs> we don't have time to go down the war on drugs and the history of all that (laughs) criminal justice, but uh, it's a health issue. Not, you know, not a criminal justice issue. And our society has a lot of progress to be made in that, you know, if we want to help people thrive more like my life has been able to, you know, I realized just, I had some safety nets around me. Mm -hmm. I had two parents. My dad had gone to college. Um, I had grandparents. Mm -hmm. I had like a, a stable community to kind of, I had encouragement. I had some positivity. And so I really, but, but, and I made it out by the hair of my chinny chin chin. I did not have childhood trauma. I did not have sexual trauma. I did not have abuse. 
I had to parent, like I had all of these things and I barely, 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 barely made it out. Yeah. It was touch and go for a few years there. And so, you know, that's why when you look at the systemic issues that we have, you know, any one of those falls and you have this recidivism rate, people get locked back up, people go back to yeah. drugs and alcohol, they don't have a support system. And so that's what I'm really passionate about trying to help educate people who are decision makers um, and let them know that there's an alternative point of view and often that i'm white middle to upper middle class educated they can sometimes hear it from me mm-hmm. where they can't hear it from colin kaepernick mm-hmm. or whoever who fill in the blank right. whoever yeah. um so anyway that's sort of my position in life and what i believe is kind of my mission yeah connor you yeah. unofficially kicked us off with our mean potatoes questions but <laughs> uh I, I, that walk with the younger version question is one of my favorites to hit. Um, they're all vastly different and like your story is important, you know, and I'm, I'm happy that our audience now gets to experience that through, through your story. Um, I wonder if maybe it's a, a moment on the course driving with your grandfather in the cart. Um, maybe now with your son, uh, can you point to a time on the golf course where you've laughed the absolute hardest? I think mine is probably like a friend, um, you know, rolling, taking his shoes off and rolling his socks up to try to, <laughs> you know, hit a ball and like falling in into the water, <laughs> like just you know, gambling, like going up against them, and it's in like November and it's freezing, and in order to save, it's not going to be slippery, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fine. And he, there's no way he could take an extra stroke here because we're neck and neck and he's not going to let me beat him. And then, like, taking socks off in November to go, you know, hit a ball out of the pond like my friend Brett Calloway is uh, just hilarious. And so um, that certainly has to be one of them. Um, the the most I've laughed. The, the other one is probably my friends laughing at me that we've laughed about for years. It was my birthday. So we splurged to go to Cowboys Golf Club uh, out here, which is like this course that like Jerry Jones built mm. in the 90s for Whoa. the Cowboys. Like if, if you guys ever come out here, it's probably one of it's one of the courses to play. Mm. And um, well, it's tourist Brad's friendly. Brad's an so Eagles fan, so I don't know if we can it. step yeah. foot out there. Oh, <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm well, going to visit. You'll, yeah. Oh, you Aim for the golf. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so anyway, we come into 18, 18 is a par five. And I was really on the track of like breaking 80 at this time, you know, just like that was my mission every time. And I realized in hindsight, you can't be stuck on the number. It's all in the process. I've done my Bob Rotel golf. is not a game of perfect sports psychologist yeah. stuff since then. But, um, all I needed, I think was like a double and I would have been in the clear and I piped it down the middle and then, something just happened and I sprayed one out of bounds and then I, my approach shot, like it was like such an easy, I was like, I don't know, 200. I mean, I've been playing lights out, you know, at this point I'm whatever, six over for 17 holes. And then all of a sudden I go, I think like three or four over on the last hole itself on a par five. And so my, my buddy, like they're on the, they're like, they know I was like a little bit of a hothead at the time. And he was like marking the scorecard. He was like, well, Jordan, I mean, you did shoot 81. And it like <laughs> sent me. And I was like, 
fuck 81. Fuck 81. Oh, I fucking hate 81. You know, like, I don't want to shoot 81. I don't want to shoot 81. I hate 81. 81 is worse than 80. Like, it's like not quite 80. You know, it's like Hard worse than 80. And I just Hard went agree. on this crazy tirade. Yeah, totally. Hard agree, right? Yeah. 80 is like, there's something a little cleaner than that. 81 is like, Ugh. why'd you even try? Um, I, so, I'd rather shoot 82 than 81. I think I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. And I, I, so, so forever the, they'll just randomly text me like, fuck 81. This happened like nine years ago. <laughs> you know? Then as you're coming off the 18th green, Terrell Owens walks past you and he's like, yes, why is it fuck me for? <laughs> why? What, what is it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so that's that's probably one that we've laughed about for the last ten years. At my, I'm happy to laugh at my own foolishness. <laughs> I great. love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really good. Thinking about doing an F81 collection. It's not, but too I also know, you know, like 81 is a really good score to a lot of people. You know, totally. Yeah. Um, it just it just wasn't my the one that I wanted. <laughs> I think we can bring some 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 levity to a you know a very a very serious serious conversation that we've had today because for us golf brings us things different things and and for us it's it's joy friendship platonic friendship uh, being able to tell your your friends and and people that you're out there with how you feel and and uh, tell them that you love them put a hug on them uh, so for for you Jordan what uh, what are some things that uh, that bring you joy in the in the smell category what are some of your favorite golf smells my favorite golf smell you know i'm a i'm a stogie on the on the golf course mm-hmm. kind of guy uh so you know lighting up a good good cigar on the course is uh just you know what time you know what time it is you know on a nice crisp yeah <laughs> already you know it's like a nice crisp day I usually fire it up after my first bogey or so, you know, um, or stogies and bogeys. (laughs) Indeed. Stogies and bogeys. Indeed. Um, so, cause if I'm like playing in a good rhythm, I don't usually don't want to jinx it with like, I don't know if you guys have that where I'm a, you know, I'm a little liberal golf. I love the music and the vibes and the cigar. And I, and occasionally I don't take my camera really anymore because I just, it's too many things, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's like, and, and y'all are probably always trying to do content. You know, so it's like, you just, I feel like I try to do too many things and then I can't enjoy like the, the round. And so yeah. anyway, I, I sometimes have that superstition on the, the stogie. So yeah, but my favorite smell is probably stogie on the golf course. Monte Cristo o'clock. Stogies and bogeys is also exactly. probably like, there are probably 17 stogies and bogeys golf Instagram accounts. A hundred percent. Yeah. I've seen there's, there's one who's like making products though. And I love oh, it. There is it actually one that is actually hilarious. Yeah. 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 That's funny as fuck. Um, <laughs> all right, Jordan, let's say you, uh, you roll up to the Cowboys golf course, uh, for, for their annual club championship. Hmm. Jordan Rogers on the tee. A song is playing as your walk up music to get you fired up. What's what song is blaring through the loudspeakers as you hit your first tee shot? Oh my gosh! You know, since we're since we're in therapy here, um, my, one of my favorite songs that I haven't done enough. I, I want. I came very close to doing this for this collection that I'm doing soon, but 
picture me rolling from Tupac, uh, all eyes on me album. Um, I don't know how long ago, 25 years ago, there's a, there's a line in there. And particularly when I drive, I, I bought a nice car under my business recently, particularly when I drive that, I feel this song, but it's like, um, he has this line about to all his correctional officers and the DA and, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's like, um, well, we've cursed on this show already, oh, yeah, but yeah, you know, all yeah, oh, you, oh, you bitch ass CEOs, <laughs> can you see me move to the side a little bit so you can get a clear yes. picture, you know? And, uh, I don't know why, but that song is just forever in my head. You know, every time I'm doing something, I just want to go back to the middle of nowhere where all those bitch ass CEOs, <laughs> and I just want them, I want them to see how well I'm doing. Um, so that's uh that's petty, but we're here in therapy, so yeah. I feel like it's a safe place to tell you that. Absolutely. So that's that's what comes to We mind. don't have any Pac on yeah. the playlist yet. It's going. No, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy that we don't. Amazing. Yeah, so Joe, we have a, a group golf therapy walk ups music, a, a compilation of all of our guests' answers. So we'll share that with you. Amazing. Picture me rolling. Put me down for picture me rolling. Done. <laughs> Love it. So let's say you win that championship. Mm-hmm. They invite you back the next year, and you get to host a champions dinner in your honor. Mm-hmm. What is on the menu at your champions dinner? Do I need to account for other people, or is it just exactly it's your, it's what your I menu, want? baby? I mean, other people will be yeah. eating it, but but it's it's for you. Yeah. It's 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 for you. I'm stuck between like sushi and or just like tacos mm. uh there's a line you know being from texas here there's there's a line on a taco shop that said tacos are my favorite meal of the day <laughs> and i pretty much eat tacos at least one point whether it's breakfast tacos yeah. or lunch or dinner tacos at least once a day so um i would like some crazy compilation of tacos and or just an absolute sushi mm. blitz like yeah. bring in bring in U- uchi or uh <laughs> Um, who's the amazing one in LA, Bradford is it? Um, uh, okay. That one, uh, hold on. What's the other ones? Uh, fish, uh, sea, uh, something with an sugar fish, uh, sweet, uh, sugar yeah. fish. Yes. Yeah, sugar that's fish. Mizawa's, yeah. So good. And then there's the, what's the hand roll one that's, uh, cause, uh, cause, uh, it's uh, in Santa Monica. It's a hand roll by the same people who do sugar fish. And, um, I went last time I was in Santa Monica. I stayed there like for a week and I went uh, five nights in a row. <laughs> just sat by myself and ate, ate hand rolls. Yeah, that's great. They were so good. That's great. Yeah, like the sushi and rice for every meal, pretty much. Sushi is such a popular, well, food uh, just globally. Is yeah. It? And, yeah. And I, there's something about it that's like attractive to golfers. I don't know if it's just like, I know. Like, dexterity i want to use my hands to eat my food like i want to put the food in my mouth myself i personally yeah mm-hmm. I, I i'm good with chopsticks but i love just like popping one in you know yeah yep yep, yep. dip the bottom yep. in the soil. you can do it all yeah also totally. also tacos are yeah. a vastly underrated golf food great golf food oh very yeah portable they are their own container yep very portable yeah yeah, you put in just a little some foil and you can go bang yeah. right back even Talk more accessible Rams perhaps Hill. than the dog yeah. Yeah. Rams Hill got free, tacos, free tacos on the on the twelfth T box. Nope. Turn tacos. Thirteenth wow. T box. Yeah. Yes. Turn tacos. <clears throat> Love that. Yo, actually, what 
one of the coolest places I ever played was um, kind of funny story, but uh, I was working the Super Bowl at Nike in um, Super Bowl 51. It was the year after Super Bowl 50. It was down in Houston and uh, Nike golf. A lot of times hosts like a, you know, celebrity or athlete, like, you know, what are we, what like, do an we those, uh, like gifting? An yeah, yeah. So like a, you know, concierge, you oh, know, I see. Uh, high, high profile VIP, right. Right. you know, they, they keep that. And so Tiger's court, Tiger's first U S course, the blue Jack national, which is down there 45 minutes South of Houston. Mm. And they had it. So we got a tea time the morning of the Super Bowl. So like I've been working for months, like preparing for the Super Bowls and Nike football at the time. Like we were at the end of the season. I go, I get up at like four 30 in the morning to go play Tigers blue Jack national course, which was amazing. But they have like little, every three holes, they have some clubhouse or some grill or something. And it's like a really interesting concept. They have like fishing poles. You can go fish in the pond. Like you can, it's like all kinds of food, anything you want, but it's like, it's super private. You know, you have to buy a house worth a million dollars or something to be even on the property. Um, so they had a, they had a cool like food concept there. That's one of the coolest ones I've ever seen. That's awesome. And then I, just to finish that story, I was so tired because I got up before 30, which to me, the Super Bowl was being able to play blue Jack national <laughs> yeah. and it was the year. So at halftime when the Falcons were beating the Patriots, uh, by the highest margin of victory ever, mm. we left. Mm. Um, we were very tired. <sighs> We were very tired and we did not want to sit in three hours of traffic. So we left. So I left the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. 28 to 3. Yeah. 98.5% margin or probability of winning. So, yeah. yeah. And you got out of that. You You and Mark Wahlberg left. That was a big. Did Wahlberg That was leave? a big storyline. Oh, yeah. Mark Wahlberg left. Who's an avid Boston sports fan? Using air right. quotes. This is an audio media. Yeah, yeah totally. He, he, he got out, out of there. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, All right. That's that's a far to, far cry from your master's dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's yours. It's personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that. That's what matters. Yeah. Um. I I feel like anyway. No, go 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 for it. I've got a fun. What up? I got a fun campaign. Some not a fun campaign, but somewhere in the Masters needs some disruption. Um, I'm working on like a little project with Seamus in golf right now, oh, wow. and uh, but this this one is not the this won't this won't happen. Um, but the Masters is a fascinating thing to me in the game of golf. Like if you guys, if, I don't know if you've read the history of of the Masters. Where we're familiar. Oh, oh yeah. Um, Which way you want to take it? Be careful, like yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, bro. There's, it's on a knife oh, edge. My. You can go either um, direction. Yeah. Oh, it is a knife edge. You can go oh, in all kinds yeah. of directions. Yeah. And I just find that that tension every year. Once you know the history, like that tension every year, and how you can't talk about it, especially like yeah. if you're in the media and you want to be one of the darlings, you can't, you can't ever touch on well, it. You can but, listen um, to our Masters recap that we did this year and uh, oh, learn good. for yourself, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's an opportunity for a mental health conversation that nobody ever knew. Like, no great one point. who's celebrating the Masters knows that their founder fucking killed shot himself. himself yeah. yeah. Over, killed himself on, on the course. The golf, on, on the par three. The bridge yeah. of Ray's yeah. Creek. Like, how are we not using this as an opportunity to, like, talk about it? I feel like really good. 2020, they did a little bit with the HBCU, like, kind of cool, like, maybe making a little acknowledgement to their their past, but perhaps not, a, not nearly enough. And so it a check it'll, box. it'll, yeah. it'll never be enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> never. I know, but all right. Anyway, 
we'll, we'll put a pin in yeah. that. Right. <laughs> Indeed. Let's yeah. come back that's to that. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Let's come to that in April. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Jordan, we are graciously sponsored by the good folks at Red Rooster. They make our favorite golf gloves, that fresh Cabretta leather. You'll come in hella colors after this podcast. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna send you one. Um, so we like to give our guests this segment. It's called Get a Grip. And it's an opportunity for you to take a minute to get something off your chest. You look around the golf space, the landscape. At something that is sticking mm-hmm. in your crawl, grinding your gears. Mm-hmm. Get it off your yep. chest. We're going to give you a minute. Let it rip. Yep. Okay. Just because they're called the men's tees, yeah. uh, just because you were born with a penis does not mean that you need to tee off from these blue tees. Just because you were born with genitalia does not mean you should play these tees. Mm. This game is handicapped for a reason. It is a beautiful game. Unfortunately, when we go to play pickup basketball, we have to play the same course that LeBron James plays. But you know what? We don't have to play the same distance as Bryson DeChambeau or Rory McIlroy. We get to handicap the course to try to make it a fun game. You know what Rory hits into par fives? He hits a freaking eight iron into like <laughs> the green on some par five. He hits nothing more than a pitching wedge into most par fours. So if you want to play the game that you are watching on Sundays and all that, Play up. Let's play up on our tees. Play the fucking white tees, okay? Like, I can break 80, and I will play the white tees. Uh, I don't know what people think they're afraid of, like, even playing the red tees. Like, do you think you're going to break part? Do you think you're going to dominate and, like, play shoot the course record? No, no you're, not. you're not. You're still going to well. suck. You're still going to spray it out of bounds. You know, like, so, like, play up and make this game fun. And let's not all have five-hour rounds here because we all have families and kids we got to get back to. So let's stop with this madness that just because you have a penis, you play these tees. That's ridiculous. Play up. Play up. Woo. Jordan Rogers, get a get grip. A grip. Get a grip, baby. Let's go. Get a, get a grip, dog. <laughs> it drives me insane. It's like I will die on this. I will die on this hill in golf. Yeah. Um, I don't, Connor, were you, were you going to get into it? No, go off. Okay. Um, so we had a trip to Ramsell, which we told you about. Um, Connor broke a course record at Ramshill and hey, let's go. one that will likely stand for quite a while because we played the combo tees, the red and white tees red and white combo. So just just like you said, if mo- you're born with a penis, you think you've got to play the back tees. Um, we know how that usually turns out for most golfers. Mm -hmm. And for those of us that uh, approach a golf course and think we got to play back just because of that, um, the large, vast majority of golfers that approach that course won't even attempt to play the forward tees, but Connor did. And guess what? He broke a course record. So if you think you big and bad, so tell me, what did you What'd you shoot, bro? Uh, cool seventy-five. I had a good day. I, had a re- I I was I was I was dialed. It was but a joy to watch. So this- but more importantly, it was yeah. because I tried. We showed up and we played yeah. the red white combos, and I uh, we we couldn't agree more. Gendered tee boxes can fucking jog on. Right. They can they can get they can. bent. I I see, I see this tension so much with like new-ish golfers who have like maybe been practicing some or whatever, and they like. 
they yeah. aren't going to be the ones to say, Hey, why don't we just play the white tees? You know, like they're, they're the guys are like, Hey, what, what tees do you play? You know, like, Oh, we play. Yeah, yeah, of course I play. You know? And it's like, I'll always go up. I'm playing the white guy. Like I don't practice anymore. What are you talking about? I'm playing the white tees. So I always want to play to the lowest common denominator or like the, you know, whatever that phrase is, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So like, if all of us get to play, can play the blue, but you have one person in your group who can't, mm. let's play to their yeah. thing. I love that. Like, so anyway, yeah, let's make it fun for, let's make for it fun for everybody. I think, it, I think it's really, it's, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. it's funny because we, so we all Bradford Connor and myself all played from the red, white combo trying to, to set a course record. And Bradford and I were having, we were struggling out there. Uh, I, we were. <laughs> I played, I played substantially better the, the day prior when I was also playing for score, but playing from a different tee box. So even if you think it's going to be a, a cakewalk, it's going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. It was challenging no. to play from the red white combo. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. So you still got to hit the shots. Still hit the shots. It, it you is. still got to hit the shots. Totally. You you have to hit the shots, and they're also probably different yardages than you used to. Right. Yeah. You know, like. I, I don't know about y'all. I actually struggle in scrambles. I don't love, I'm so bewildered by playing from the middle of the fairway every time. <laughs> I, I'm not used to playing from the middle yeah. of the fairway, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm playing over, I'm just playing in the first cut. It's terrifying. I'm playing from the right side. That's... I'm trying to, I'm, I'm cutting the ball over. Like, yep. I don't hit a, I can't hit a draw very well. But, like, you know, it's disorienting to me to um, play from the middle of the fairway every That's time. so true. So the, the same as when you play from sixty yards in, you're like, oh like, gosh, what don't is, have is that, that club? Like yeah, full, pure field you know, shot. Yeah, yeah totally. It's a like, weird lift. I have no touch. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that you're excited about right now that you've got coming up, twenty twenty three is right around the corner. Any any goals you want to set for yourself? Anything like that? My company is called Perseus Creative. Um, so you could find me at perseuscreative.com or uh, Jordan Rogers twenty six on all social media. Um, I'm, I'm most active on Instagram and I have, you know, started this company. I left Nike after 10 years in brand marketing. Uh, I'm focused on the NIL space, but the, I'm doing this collaboration with local hoops. I'm working on something with Seamus golf, um, where I want to go eventually. And what I'm trying to, I think show college athletes is like being entrepreneur. Like, I love what y'all are doing. Like Bradford, I've seen you, you're doing your own products. Like y'all are doing, you know, it's like, I just love this entrepreneurship, this era of empowerment in the internet and the power of social media. And I love like empowering these college athletes to do the same. So I'm kind of like parallel doing a lot of this stuff that they're trying to do too, like making content, like building a personal brand. And, and I have some experience in all those realms. So just trying to teach them how to, how to be empowered through that. So if there's anyone listening who's a college administrator or a coach, like I would love to work with your teams. I'm an absolute golf nerd. So i um, trying to work with more golf teams. Um, but I have the university hires me to come in almost like a keynote speaking. And I do workshops with athletes on personal branding. And so, like I said, it's like a marketing masterclass meets group therapy. So I particularly love what y'all are doing in this space. Uh, so keep up the good work and, yeah, my next year is just about entrepreneurship. Um, I think I was really afraid to leave Nike for a little while. I thought it was the mountaintop. And what I realized is just a stepping stone. Hmm. And so um, I'm really excited about entrepreneurship and just building and doing stuff on my own and getting to be creative. It's it's a lot of fun. And hopefully in 2023, we'll all get to play around together. Indeed. 
come to Texas and play here. I have a tiny little guest oh. house. You can stay here right in front of a putting green. I'll sleep. I'll sleep Texas on the putting green. Give me a sleeping bag. It's I'm different. Good. Right, the Pieta so, Be better. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, thank you so much, man. This was a pleasure. Seriously. I appreciate y'all. Amazing. Yeah, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work, y'all. Please, and thank you.